Our passage today is Colossians 3, 18 through 4, 1. You can turn your Bibles as we get started. <clears throat> the theme of Colossians, as we've been learning, is that Christ is the preeminent one, the creator of everything. In Colossians 1, Rob led us through the fact that when the good news of Christ is believed and acted on, it always produces good fruit in your life. Tonight, we're going to talk more about that good fruit. In Colossians 2, we learned that Christian maturity is life lived gratefully and wisely in the knowledge of God's truth and the gospel. Tonight, again, we're going to talk more about that maturity and what that looks like in our lives lived out. In Colossians 3, last week, Ian brought to us, Given that we have died with Christ and are now raised to life in Him, we must make an effort to set our minds on this new reality. We must work towards having the body of Christ mindset we talked about last week. We talked about putting off the old self, and putting on the new self. Put off earthly things. Put on the attributes of Christ, which leads to unity. Tonight we'll talk more about things we are to put off and things we are to put on. For households, God through Paul also gives us his order and design. Again, things to put off and things to put on. The primary focus God has for us tonight is that the rightly ordered household uniquely reflects Christ and his church. As we mature in Christ, obedience to this order will be evident. Again, the rightly ordered household uniquely reflects Christ and his church. As we mature in Christ, obedience to this order will be evident. In today's passage, Paul shifts from broad instructions for the church that we talked about last week, and he shifts to more specific instructions for families and for households. This, it's important to point out, as Nick did a couple weeks ago, Paul is talking to households within the church. He's talking to us, the church. This is a very familiar passage we're going to be looking at. And with it comes much baggage, both from our culture and from within our own hearts. This passage, I think, is intimidating. But this is God's word. This is his design and plan, and he is faithful. As we grow in maturity, our faith leads to action, which is worship, and our maturity will lead to fruit. Let's hear God's word today. Let's invite it into our hearts and minds and worship together. Before we look at the passage in detail, I think there are two important truth, truths God has for us through Paul as we press into the specifics of God's design for the household. Two important truths. Truth one, our maturity is most evident in the home. Our maturity is most evident in the home. In other words, maturity is most clearly measured by how truth is lived in your closest relationships. As Paul presses deeper into what it looks like to follow God's order as a mature believer, again, he starts with the broad community discussed last week, and he goes further into our more intimate relationships. He talks about the church and our unity together, which Ian brought to us last week, and what that looks like. Then he goes into the family or household and marriage, general to more specific. Why does this matter? Seems obvious. We think, and I'm certainly I'm certainly guilty of this, that our as our faith matures, we go further and further out into the world, uh, as if our faith is lived out there among the unbelieving. I'm I'm that, that creeps into my mind. We grow here, and we go out there. Now we should sure, we, we should be putting our lives on display for God's glory out there. Clearly, that's what we're to be doing. But the truth is, as our maturity grows, that maturity is most evident in the home. Our maturity is most clearly measured 
in our closest relationships. That's something Rob mentioned a couple weeks ago. I believe that is why Paul is getting more and more specific. Look, I mean, we know this. It's easy to come here and look nice and put on smiles. But what about when we're tired or stressed at home, when work's not going well, or when I'm frustrated, when kids are not obeying or misbehaving or they're sick? What does my faith look like then? Where is my hope in those moments? What is my anchor? I think it's here in these moments that our faith is most evident, and Paul presses right in. Paul gets out the chisel, specifically, and he starts swinging. These relationships, again, in these relationships, our faith is most evident. Another way to say this is, where there is lack of order in the household, there is lack of faith in God's order. These relationships mercifully reveal our sin and rebellion to God in his order. Truth one, our maturity is most evident in the home. Truth two, order sets us free. Pressing in from broad community to rules and guidance that are more and more specific related to us and our marriage and our families. Our flesh rebels when we hear specific rules and instructions. We hate rules. Our flesh screams, our sin, the sin in us is like, rules are suffocating. I don't want rules. But if we think about it, we know this. We know that specific rules, order, and law creates more freedom, not less. Rules, orders, and laws creates more freedom, not less. How is this so? Well, think about a simple example from your life. Rules of the road. Think about driving. Like which side to drive on? How to make turns, how to park, how to pass, how fast to go. All these rules allow for more freedom when we drive. These rules create a smooth and efficient traffic and, and allow much faster, freer, safer driving. If, it, if everyone lived by their own rules of the road, driving would be much more restrictive and certainly more chaotic. If we trust in our own ideas about driving, uh, you know, if we do that, If we trust our own ideas about driving, more than the rules and laws of the road, things will not go well for us. Where there is order, there is freedom. This is true in every aspect of our life. Further up and further in, says C.S. Lewis in the Tales of Narnia, the closer we get and the deeper we go into God's order, the freer we are to live a joyful life. We read that Psalms to start tonight. But the psalmist in Psalms is constantly declaring love for God's rules and order. Psalms 119.40, Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. He is set free because of God's rules and given life. Or in Psalms 1, Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit. He has life. His life is producing fruit in its season. And his leaf does not wither. All he does, he prospers. The Lord's rules give life. As we mature, our love for God's design and his rules will increase. Second truth, his order sets us free. Okay, I've delayed long enough. Let's get going. (laughs) Let's turn to Colossians 3, uh, starting in verse 18. Yeah, through 4.1. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also 
have a master in heaven. Lord, this is your order and design. Help us to love it, set us free in it, grow us, and change us today because of your word. Amen. Amen. This is Paul's description of God's design for the family and household. There is no hiding from the practicality of these words. They are direct. They are clear. They are specific. We have so many reactions to these words. The text is sharp and it offends. Let us not soften it, but let us hear, learn, and be changed by it. And grow to love it. Again, our primary focus, the ordered household uniquely reflects Christ and his church. As we mature in Christ, obedience to his order will be evident. Paul addresses the household order for wives, husbands, children, servants, masters. We're going to press into God's order for each one of these by discussing and answering the following questions or things, four things. First, our reaction to and definition of the order. Second, we'll define disobedience to God's order. In other words, what are we to put off? We'll define obedience to God's order. In other words, what are we to put on? And last, how does this order reflect Christ and the church? We're going to go through those four things for each member of the household. First, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Our reaction to this, I think, can be offense. When we hear wives submit, our culture has trained us to think suppression of women. There is hate for these words in our culture, perhaps even in our own hearts. Is this basically a license for men to take advantage of women? We think, submit? No, we, women need to be free. Like, liberated. That's the word we love. Liberated. This is a rule. It is God's design. And like all rules, our flesh screams out for freedom from the suffocating rule. Now, I think that's generally true. That's the sin in us. But I also recognize that not everybody feels that way because... As we mature in Christ, we grow to love his ways and his rules. That's true. But still, I think in all of us, there's this tension. And why should wives submit, by the way? Because men have more value, are more important? I think these are natural questions that we ask, certainly our culture would ask. First, let's be clear and point out something obvious. It says, wives submit to your husband. It does not say women submit to men. It doesn't say that. This is not a statement about all men to all women or all wives to all husbands. That's not what it says. It's a statement to wives about your husband. There is freedom in seeing that this statement is a statement about your relationship to one man, your man. The word submit, okay? Submit is not a statement of value between men and women. It is not a value statement between wives and husbands. It's not what it is. Submit is a word defining order and given authority. Submit is a word defining order and given authority. Without order in the family, chaos is the result. God's order for wives in the household is to submit to their husbands. This order was established from the beginning. It was established before the fall and redeemed and confirmed after the fall. We talked about this in January from Genesis 1 and 2. We read, you know, part of Genesis 1 just just now. Our dominion mandate to represent, to reproduce, to redeem. God created us both male and female to image him. It takes both, male and female, to rightly image God. It takes both. 
We have different roles in fulfilling this imaging. Men's role, we talked about this way back in January. Leading, tending, protecting. It's tactical and task-oriented. That's the man's role. Women's role, companion, helping, completing. It's relational-oriented. What does disobedience to this order look like? In other words, what are wives called to put off? If God's order and design for marriage is for the wife to submit, then looking at the definition of that word, then wives are to put off such things as a resisting attitude towards their husbands, contentiousness, opposition, and a demeanor of confrontation. Those are things wives are called to put off. This attitude or approach towards your husband is in direct conflict with God's design. And to the extent it is present, demonstrates distrust of God's order and will limit fruit in your life, your marriage, and your household. Proverbs 14.1 The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. Why is this Paul's focus for wives? Again, this is God's order, and, and he reminds us because our flesh is prone to push against this order. We are naturally resistant to submission. We all are. And wives naturally resist submission to their husbands. Genesis 3.16, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. How can you see this resistance in yourself? Two things. If your thought is, as I'm reading this and you're thinking about this, if your thought is, but my husband doesn't this, or he treats me like that, or he never does X, or the kids, with the kids he never even fill in the blank. If these thoughts are present, there is a resistance and not submission in your heart and mind towards your husband. In other words, if your first reaction is to excuse your lack of submissive attitude, then you do not trust in God's design and order in your marriage. This order is not about your husband's worthiness. It is about trust in God's design. This order is not about your husband's worthiness. It is about trust in God's design. Faith and belief will lead to action and bear fruit regardless of circumstances. Okay, second, second, second way to see this in yourself. It's a little more difficult, but if you have a rightly, rightly ordered husband who makes it easy for you to submit... That is a gift from God, and your thankfulness is, is to Him and His order, His plan, His faithfulness. Even in that, you could, you could put your hope in your circumstances. Because my husband this, because my husband that, that's why I, I obey God. But I would, I would say, be careful, because your circumstances can change. Direct your praise, your thankfulness, your obedience to God, His order, His plan, His faithfulness. So what does obedience to this order look like? Or what should a wife put on? Obedience to God's order for wives, or what wives should put on, is submission. Submission. To yield or surrender to the authority of your husband. A Christian wife is called to gratefully acceptance of her husband's care and leadership. The Bible gives us a picture of a woman who is rightly submitting to her husband. The picture is found in Proverbs 31, specifically verses 10 through 28. I don't have time to read all of it, but I would encourage you to do so in Proverbs 31. Check it out. This is describing a woman and her work and a wife. Words that come to mind when I read this. This wife is 
And woman is industrious, wise, intelligent, generous. She serves her community. She's running a profitable business. She has gifts. She has talents. And she is using them and flourishing in them. And her priority is clearly on her household. And her work is purposed to create honor and respect for her husband. Her work is purposed to create honor and respect for her husband. This is God's design. So how does this order of the wife reflect Christ in the church? Why does Paul list wives first? Ephesians 5.4, which Ephesians 5 is a sister passage extremely similar to Colossians 3. Ephesians 5.24, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should, should submit to everything, everything to their husbands. Let me read that again. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Because she represents all of us, the church... Maybe this is why Paul is at first. I don't know. But because she represents all of us, the church, as we submit to Christ, so she is to submit to her husband. So, if that's true, the examples you see of a wife rightly ordered to her husband is a picture, an example of how we, the church, should be ordered to Christ. The examples you see of a wife rightly ordered to her husband is a picture of how we, the church, should be ordered to Christ. A wife is to her husband as the church is to Christ. I think this helps us understand what the wife should be giving in her relationship with her husband. Because we can think about answering this question, what do we give as the church in relationship to Christ? So if we answer that question, what do we give as a church in relationship to Christ? We're answering the same question, what does the wife give to her give in her relationship and her relationship to her husband? Does that make sense? Two things. What we give as a church in relationship to Christ. Two things. Submission and glory. That's what we give. Our faith is a gift. We do not add to the relationship, but we get to participate. That's our relationship to Christ. You can see that in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. I'm not going to read it. Check it out. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Our faith is a gift. We do not add to the relationship, but we get to participate. We regularly, we regularly, routinely, and constantly have to bring ourselves back into submission to Christ and the gospel. We know that. We do that hopefully every day, multiple times a day, all the time. We do that on Sundays. That's why we're here. Why? To bring ourselves back into submission of Christ and the gospel. We talk about this. Submission. Coming under Christ. For what? For his glory and our joy. We say that over and over and over and over. Submission. For his glory and our joy. His glory and our joy. That's Christ in the church. It's a wife to her husband. It's the same. It's a beautiful picture. And when we do this as a church, it will produce fruit. And likewise, when a wife submits to this design, there will be fruit in your life, your marriage, your household. Trust in God's order. Trust God's order and Christ is displayed. Trust God's order and Christ is displayed. Wives. Wives, what are you willing to do to get the preeminence of Christ into your husband and your household? It's unclear why Paul mentions wives first. Perhaps, again, because she represents us, the church. But also maybe to establish that with submission, there's also authority. This authority in the household is the husband. Husbands, love your wives and do not treat them harshly. 
Husbands, love your wives and do not treat them harshly. Let's define our reaction and order that God's giving us here. The emphasis here is not on the husband's authority. It's on his love. The emphasis is not on his authority. It's on his love. The authority has been established. The authority is regardless of the circumstances or worthiness. Look at Colossians 5.23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. The husband is. Okay, there's homeschoolers in here, and there's grammar nerds. And there's indicative statements, and there's imperative statements. There's only one indicative statement in this whole passage, and it is this. The husband is the head of the wife, and Christ is the head of the church. Everything else is imperative, meaning it requires action. Wives submit requires action. We'll get to children obey requires action. Servants and masters submit and treat justly and fairly. Action, action, action. These are all requiring their imperative statements. I don't know that. I had to ask my kids and my wife what that meant. <laughs> I, not, that's not me. But um, Husband is. It's indicative. It's a statement of fact. Submitting requires participation, but the husband is the head. The statement of fact and identity. It does not say if the husband this or that, then maybe he's, he can earn the opportunity to lead or be the head. It does not say that. If you are a husband, you are leading. If you are a husband, you are leading. You are the head of your wife and your household, and your headship is guiding your family. It may be guiding into chaos. It may be guiding into weakness or laziness. But your headship is dominating, guiding, and leading your wife and your household. Headship is not earned, it's given. This is God's order. Let's grow in knowledge of this order and worship together. Now, why is this fair? Why do husbands get this authority? Is he more important or valuable? Again, this authority is not a statement about value. It's a statement of order. It's hard for us to see this. It's hard for us to trust. But I think a familiar example of order may help us further understand why this is important. Consider two ranks in the army. A sergeant major and a lieutenant. A sergeant major is a career military veteran with experience and earned recognition. Sergeant major. A lieutenant is young with little time or experience. He just started. If a lieutenant was to attempt to give a command to the sergeant major, guess what? The sergeant major would look the snot-nosed lieutenant in the eye, and he would salute and execute that command. He would immediately obey. Why? Order. Sergeant major is an enlisted rank. Lieutenant is an officer rank. Enlisted ranks submit to the authority of officer ranks in the army. That's how it works. It's an expression of order, not value. In this instance, you could argue the sergeant major is way more valuable. Commitment and discipline to this order is what makes the army work. In the heat of battle, there is a respect, appreciation, and even love for this order. Because without it, there is chaos, danger, isolation, great risk of injury or death. And it is the same in the household. Established authority and submission gives order to the household. So, what are husbands called to put off? What does dis disobedience look like to this order? It says right here, it looks like harshness. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh. Harsh is demeaning, unpleasantly rough or jarring, cruel, severe, aggressive, excessively critical or negative, 
severe in making demands, oppressive. Men and husbands, do these sound familiar? Are you harsh with your wife? This attitude or action towards your wife is in direct conflict with God's design, and to the extent it is present is a demonstration of distrust in God's order, and it will limit fruit in your life, your marriage, and your household. Why does Paul mention harshness? Why is that his focus? Because husbands tend to be harsh. Those with authority find it easy to be harsh. Allow me to let the wife in on something that I think is true of husbands, certainly isn't me, and is at least one reason why we sin in harshness. Back to Proverbs 31. You need to check it out. It's really, really good. When I read passages like this in Proverbs 31, and remember, this Proverbs 31 is about what the woman and wife does, who she is, and the results of her work. That, that's what it's about. Verse 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Verse 11 and 12. The heart of her husband trusts her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. When I hear this, and I think men and husbands hear respect and honor. Listen, we long for this. Respect and honor in the household. Respect and honor in our community. We were made for it. Dominion, conquest, victory. This is good. But our flesh, in our flesh, we will do anything to get it. Most naturally, and the world confirms that this is the way to get it, is to push and demonstrate our authority, harshness, in order to demand respect and order. Harshness is a shortcut of demanding respect instead of developing the character to earn it. Harshness is a shortcut of demanding respect instead of developing the character to earn it. Husbands, listen. Demonstrating our authority through harshness in order to get respect and honor is not God's plan. Obedience to God's design, okay? What does it look like? What should we put on as husbands? Again, the husband's authority is not earned, it is given. And if this is true, and we believe this is true, we are free to live like Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. That's our Lord and Savior. That's Philippians 2, 6 and 7. Christ knew his authority and power, and out of full confidence in his authority, he laid it down in love for our sake. Harshness demands respect and submission. Love earns respect and submission. A submissive wife with a harsh husband will submit to the position of husband because she has to. A submissive wife with a loving husband will submit to the person of husband because she is blessed to. Has to or blessed to. Husbands. Which do you want? The wife is to her husband like the church is to Christ. Likewise, the husband is to his wife like Christ is to the church. So what does the church receive from Christ? If we answer that, we can answer 
What should the wife receive from her husband? What does Christ receive from what does the church receive from Christ? What do we receive from our relationship with Christ? Things like kindness, friendship, security, comfort, forgiveness, peace, rest, a light burden, compassion, patience, meekness, affirmation, men and husbands. These are things our wives should receive from us. What does Christ give to the church? What should the husband give to his wife? What does Christ give to the church? He gives us a relationship we don't deserve. He gives us inheritance we didn't earn. And sanctification we cannot attain on our own. A small example of what this might look like. We, the church, need constant reminders of Christ's love and sacrifice for us. We do. Again, that's why we're here. Our hearts wander, but the gospel reminds us and brings us back to truth. Likewise, our wives need this as well. Regular reminders of our love, our protection, our security. Through word or action or service, husbands, regularly bring your wife back into the truth of your love and commitment to her. Like God's word and the gospel does for us, we must do for our wives, husbands. Your wife should be more like Christ because you are humbly leading like Christ. Husbands, what are you willing to do to get the preeminence of Christ into your wife. Children. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Children are active participants in displaying God's order in the household. Children are active participants and displaying God's order in the household. Children, listen. The world and your flesh, and what that means is the sin in you, the sin in you, is constantly pushing against this order in your life and God's design for you to obey your parents. Nearly every kid's movie in which parents are involved attempts to demonstrate that parents are ignorant Culture is always pushing these lies, these ideas that parents are missing some larger, obvious truth. The lies that parents are outdated, racist, sexist, old-fashioned, numbskulls, lazy, out of touch, on and on and on. Parents, protect your kids from these lies. This is what the world is feeding you. Do not fall prey to this lie. Paul is telling you, children, to put off disobedience to your parents. And also, we can confidently add, disobedient spirit is also to be put off. Maybe you obey, but you have a bad attitude. Or you never quite finish a job. Or you do the bare minimum. Listen, this attitude or out, outright lack of obedience towards your parents is in direct conflict with God's design, and to the extent it is present, is a demonstration of distrust in God's order and will limit fruit in your life and in your households, children. Don't miss the fact that you play a role in demonstrating God's image in your household. Paul is pushing back against another cultural lie that only when you get older, then you can have an impact. Not true. Or the idea that your actions today are somehow less significant or less valuable or have less weight than when you're older. But a community or household well-ordered knows that your obedience today will directly impact your obedience tomorrow. And we are to take obedience, regardless of age, very seriously. Look, a disobedient three-year-old, in my opinion, 
It was cute and comical. Largely because they're not my kids anymore, probably. <laughs> but when I see a kid around here and he does something, it's like, that's hilarious. You know. But all, also because parents are awesome here. But look, a disobedient three-year-old leads to what? A disobedient 10-year-old. And then 15. And then 25. And then a household established and leading to chaos and disobedience to God's order. Obedience is always serious. Children, obey your parents. This is God's order. Children, what are you willing to do to get the preeminence of Christ into your life in your household? Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Fathers, pay attention. There are at least three truths here. How you are leading and exercising the given authority in your household will impact the obedience and order of your children. How you are leading and exercising the given authority in your household will impact the obedience and order of your children. Provoking, or again harshness, can directly lead to disobedience and chaos. Also, lack of loving your wife well, which is a demonstrated lack of order and trust in God's design, will prevent fruit in your Children. And last thing, disobedience in a household is the responsibility of the husband and father. Disobedience in the household is the responsibility of the husband and father. Husbands, sin in my home, disobedience in my kids is my responsibility. And in your home, it's yours. It is responsibility of the husband and father to see sin, know sin, and adjust how we lead and use our authority to address and keep it out of our households. Sin of our children is their sin, and it is their shame, but it is ultimately the responsibility of the husband and father. Fathers, what are you willing to do to get the preeminence of Christ into your household? All right, last one. Bond servants. Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service, as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily. As for the Lord, not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. And masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Our reaction here, I think, tempted to dismiss this section as not relevant. We don't have servants. We aren't masters. However, there are several truths that we must consider here. Servants were not part of the family. What I mean by that is they're not mother or father, grandparent, children, not part of the family. But they entered into and were part of the household. They entered into and were part of the household. As part of the household, servants are called to lift up or uphold the order of the household like any other member of the family. They're called to lift up or uphold the order of the household like any other member of the family. Servants were, of course, seen as lower than or lesser, not part of in that culture. Here God, through Paul, is uplifting the position of servant as an active participant in the household. He didn't just stop at husbands and wives. He included children. And not only that, we're also to include and recognize the role of servants have in our households, both as a servant and as a master. But what does that mean? What's a servant for us today? In other words, we can ask, how do we participate in other households? 
I think this should be obvious, but think about it. Have you ever laid carpet in another person's household? Or, you know, the go-to example of concrete? You ever constructed or remodeled a home for somebody else? Helped financially? Worked on landscaping? Worked on cleaning someone else's house? Prepared a meal um, for someone else? Walked a dog? Fed the chickens? The point is, if you think about it, we are all always and constantly entering into other households. It happens all the time. Entering into households that we're not naturally a part of. The focus here is on how we respect God's order in households. Let's talk about what disobedience looks like. Or what are we to put off? Disobedience is more than simply not doing our jobs or doing jobs poorly. That's clearly disobedience to God's design for servants. But also, it is a temptation to complete our jobs or services we're providing to others with an, with an attitude of with an attitude that undermines the established order in the household. For example, grumbling, mocking, putting down, making fun of those which we serve, or serving in a way that demonstrates our annoyance with others as we do it. Like, I'll do my job, I'll share my gift, but just so you know, you don't really deserve it. A servant with a bad attitude is a servant stirring disunity and chaos into the household in which they serve. A servant with a bad attitude, a servant stirring disunity and chaos into the household. If you work or serve with an attitude that undermines the authority of the household in which you serve, you are in direct conflict with God's design, and to the extent it is present is a demonstration of your distrust in God's order and will limit fruit in your life and the households in which you serve. I still don't think anybody thinks this applies to them. It's like, okay, maybe sometimes I have a bad attitude, but largely, let's move on. I think we underestimate how often we have a choice to lift up or put down the order of another household. I think we miss it. Here's one tiny example. Think about families in this church. Let's make it personal. What is your first reaction when you see a parent disciplining poorly or not disciplining their child when they should? What is your first reaction when you see evidence of a poorly ordered household that is not your own? If your first reaction is to judge in your mind or to even criticize out loud, then I would suggest you do not have an attitude of honoring God's order in the households, in these other households, and you are stirring disunity and chaos. That's what we need to put off. What is obedience? What should we put on? It says right here in the passage, if you look back at it, sincerity of heart, fear of the Lord, do all things as if doing them for the Lord. The reward is the Lord's inheritance. This is the theme for God's order of the household. This is the recipe for unity. The wife submits out of reverence for the Lord. The husband loves as an expression of faith. The children obey because they believe God's order is better than their own idea of what is right. And servants look for opportunities to honor the Lord by your attitude in uplifting and encouraging the right order of the households you are honored to serve. Let me say that again. And servants, look for opportunities to honor the Lord by your attitude in uplifting and encouraging the right order of the households you are honored to enter into and serve. The rightly ordered household uniquely reflects Christ and His church. As we mature in Christ, Obedience to this order will be evident. Okay, one more thing. Husbands and fathers. Husbands and fathers, you are mentioned 
in every aspect of the household. Wives, submit to husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Fathers, don't provoke your children. Masters, honor those who serve in your household by treating them justly and fairly. Authority is yours, husbands. In all things in your household, you have authority and you have responsibility. As Christ leads the church, you are to joyfully demonstrate Christ in your households. And through your leadership, your household should better reflect Christ and his church. And through your leadership, household, your household should better reflect Christ and his church. Husbands and fathers, what an honor. Do your job. Application. Think about this order. These rules can reveal our heart. Does your heart resist these truths? Is there a fence stirred in you? Do you see an area of change needed? Press in. Ask for wisdom, patience, and grow in love for God's rules and order. Also, celebrate right order in your life and your household and the fruit that's being produced. It's happening here. Celebrate that and see it and recognize it. So good. Wives, as an expression of faith, as we, the church, due to Christ, look to glorify your husbands privately and publicly. Husbands, as an expression of faith, as Christ does for us, affirm your love for your wife regularly. She is to be more like Christ as a result of your sacrificial love poured out for her. Children, as an expression of faith, obey your parents. Work to multiply fruit in your life and the life of your household by honoring and obeying your parents. Fathers, your leadership will multiply or stunt obedience and fruit in your children. Lead them like Christ leads us. Servants and masters, as an expression of faith, know, build up, support, and encourage the order and authority God has placed you under as, per, as you participate and serve households. Be fair and just to household participants. The rightly ordered household uniquely reflects Christ and his church. As we mature in Christ, obedience to this order will be evident. Heavenly Father, thank you for these truths, for your word. Help us to grow in maturity today because of you, because of your order, and who you are. Amen.